Hello again, and welcome to the Borderline Genius Podcast. My name is Chet Sandberg. And I'm Nora McKinney. I'm a nurse who doesn't want to be a nurse anymore. And I'm a researcher who doesn't want to be in academia anymore. So what do we want to be? I always wanted to be a baker. Don't listen to her. She's a writer. Okay, we're writers, and Borderline Genius is a podcast for writers. Because the world needs another one of those. But this one's different. It's Borderline Genius because he's borderline. And she's a genius. I'm not really a genius. Whatever. Join us as we discuss what we love and hate about writing, writers, writing community, and everything else. It's Borderline Genius. Welcome to the Borderline Genius Podcast. Uh, this is a, uh, a special interview episode with uh, Ellie Moore. Uh, we're going to be talking about ways to diversify income if you're going out on your if you're going out on your own as a um, author. Uh, various different things you can do to try to make sure that you're a little bit more financially secure. Uh, if you're new to the Borderline Podcast um, or Borderline Genius Podcast, I'm sorry, it's um, we don't not we're not we're not really like a like a typical marketing type uh, writing podcast, but we do we do discuss a whole lot of other issues related to indie publishing and uh, stuff like that. You can find us on um, Apple Podcasts and on Spotify Podcasts um, uh, as the Borderline Genius Podcast. And uh, if you're interested, just go ahead and try to find us there. Um, my name is Chet Sandberg, and uh, if you heard the intro, we have um, um, Nora McKinney. This uh, is me. That's Nora McKinney, and uh, also y- known as Ioana. Uh, also, yeah, Ioana. Yeah, <laughs> I have two names. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so f- yeah, look us up. Uh, we both have Facebook groups uh, that are um, uh, yeah. where you can find some more about our work too. All right, so let's get started here. Um, Yay! Welcome to the show. Welcome, Ellie. Oh, hi. hi. Thank you. Hi. It's so nice to have you, finally. Oh, no, it's lovely yes. to be here. Thanks. We had a false start last week. But oh, we, we did. Yeah, yeah, time zones. Time zones <laughs> but but I got to chat with you offline, which was amazing. I, know, I, I enjoyed lovely. that. Yes. Yes, it's uh, it's going to be a little bit of a issue. I'm going to be moving two more time zones. Uh, so once again, we're going to have some of these uh, scheduling issues. We have to try to make sure that we're on the right time zones. Ah, we'll figure it out. Don't worry. Yeah, I, I know now. I know now. I learned now uh, that Arizona has two time zones, which mm. I didn't know um, until I last didn't know week. that either. Yeah. So see, you always learn something, even from those um, false attempts at uh, stuff. It's interesting. Well, where I'm at in California too, I actually had to turn off my phone's tendency to try to auto figure out my time zone because I'm so close mm. to California that if I if I drive within a mile of the border, mm. it screws up my it totally tells me that that the time is wrong. It totally changes mm. my phone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yay. So today we're going to talk about diversifying, as you said. And um, I wanted to talk with Ellie about this because she's the one who gave me the idea of um, trying to uh, have different sources of income. So back in November, when I had the book out, my first book out, and I was trying to figure out what to do uh, short and long term, I came upon an ad uh, for a website that uh, looked for authors of erotic stuff. And my friends told me, yeah, go for it, you know. And I, I talked to Ellie about it and she said, yes, this is the way to do it. You should, you know, have, you know, smaller gigs at different places. And I've followed this advice up to now. And I think it's good advice because, well, at least because I don't get bored. That's one thing. So thank you, Ellie, for that. Oh, you're good advice. Yeah. <laughs> and we have a list here um, with things we th- think people can do to um, diversify and, um, you know, not be bored. <laughs> so let me start with the first one. Um, the first one is what I do um, now and then. Uh, it's content writing, right? Has um, any of you start, um, tried something like that? No. Uh, no, that's a lie. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I did write something recently for um, a, a website. Does that count? Yes, of course it writing? counts. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what she okay, means. Well, yeah, yeah um, one of my favourite writing magazines that I Yay. subscribe to got in touch with me because I happen to know 
the the deputy editor deputy editor is that what she's called um she contacted me because she knows that i'm a nurse and uh it was just when covid started mm-hmm. the lockdown was was starting and she knew that i was a writer and she knew that i was a nurse and she said can i do a piece on uh on, on that really on oh, my yes, experience as being a mm. yeah on be, being a writer um during uh yeah f- and the nhs as well so that's my i think that's my only foray into content writing but uh, it felt nice to do something non-fiction yes and it was a very good piece i read that oh bless you thank so you. so it was a good start i yeah. think <laughs> it did flow quite easily actually i think that's one of the things to uh that's one of the things i've learned is if you're going to do things like that is um choose something that you can write comfortably and easily about um that that certainly worked for me because I, I yes. made it very quickly mm. and very easily or something you can you know you can research <laughs> so that you can write about it yeah this is something that my my ex-girlfriend has done extensively this is how she makes her living actually is mm-hmm. content writing and it's like you said she was a she's a um uh she is a master's degree social worker she was uh and so she's working with mainly with her main client who is um somebody who writes about um, online and how to find help and that kind of stuff in America and in, in the United States, you know, because every state has different stuff. So she does a lot of writing about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's content writing's her main gig, actually. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So basically, what you do is you look at what your expertise is and you yeah. look for the, those websites that could need your um, your expertise, right? Um, which would assume that my expertise is erotica, which is not. But anyway, I'm a scientist. I'm a physicist. I could I could write content writing for you know popular science websites, but but let's let's just not think about that right now. Uh, <laughs> but con- yeah. could content content writing be fiction as well? Yes, yes, of course. Like I'm I'm doing erotic stories, so it's yeah, fiction. yeah. Mm. And and I've heard from several people people on Twitter who advise me on these things that you know. Um, they write they write for such a huge variety of websites i mean there are geologists who write you know different stuff i I couldn't tell you exactly what but you know every every one of these people can use their expertise um to write for smaller websites Mm. uh, that still have you know a small but dedicated audience like legal stuff you know or um there's a magazine for there's a magazine for everything Yes, and there's like marketing for companies like you where you talk about products or or the use of a certain kind of product. There there are very specific websites with with you know n- niche subjects that mm-hmm. um, you can write about, and if you find yours, that's um, that's good, I guess. Yeah. So this would be the f- the first uh, advice yeah, that we have, I guess. It's funny you say that because I was trying to. A year ago, I was trying to get out of nursing desperately, mm. like early to 2019. I was just so miserable. And, um, you know, uh, the staff was still my girlfriend at the time. And she was like, you could do beard care. You could do headphones. You could do all of this stuff, you know, because she's on she's on one of the um, beard up- care. That's like, uh, oh, wow. Yeah. No, just because well, <laughs> that's no, amazing. What, what is beard care? Oh, you know, just how to like how to maintain and groom a beard and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, I, believe it or not, people are looking for that kind of stuff. There's, you know, here's you know, top ten list of whatever, whatever, mm. or here's products that work, or here's you know, discoveries I made in trying to grow a full beard with. So first off, if you have a patchy oh, beard, that kind of stuff, okay. just crazy stuff you wouldn't imagine. Oh my god, people that's that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, you can write uh-huh. in detail about many many. Yep. obscure subjects right or about headphones for me because you know i'm so much into earphones and mm-hmm. headphones or um oh god what's some of the other thing you know i'm in a craft beer too but you know that could just be an yeah. excuse to drink a lot of beer so and you know i don't i don't think many people think about this no, kind of don't. thing so you know if if each and every one of us thinks about the things we are we're experts in mm-hmm. right yeah like for example uh, i don't know maybe i'm an expert in creating recipes that are either low carb or low fat or you know um high protein like i can do these things that that would be a thing and but it never crosses my mind right to it, it didn't cross my mind either when she suggested it, i'm like oh my god that's such a weird yeah i never would have thought that that was that was a job you could have but yeah yeah it probably is. is yeah good 
Well, the next very obvious thing that a writer could do if uh, they're good um, with uh, proofreading or editing is, well, be a proofreader or editor like you, Chad, are doing. Yeah. Well, and I a little bit, but not such yeah. a great proof. I'm not such a great proofreader. Um, I am a great proofreader. We're we're an awesome team, aren't we? Yeah, we yes, definitely. Yeah, I'm more of a line editor, but yeah, that's that's the main. That's what's paying my bills mostly right now is being a line mm. editor. You know, trying to make. I try to explain to people what I do, and it's not copy editing. It's not just trying to make sure that your prose is grammatically correct, but that it's like um, stylistically smooth elegant yeah elegant Ele- is, yes. yeah 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 so this is what i like it to flows tell people. Like, smoothly yeah yeah like if you, you i'm not just going to make your dialogue make grammatical sense i'm going to make it sound like something somebody might actually say yes exactly because dialogue is mm-hmm. not a strength for a lot of dialogue authors. is a difficult one yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I see so much uh, not really good dialogue in in books yeah. of mostly um inexperienced authors yeah yeah not just dialogue. Yeah, I, I mean all sorts of mm-hmm. stuff but but yeah line and style so mm-hmm. that's definitely working for me. Uh, it's it's. I think the big thing there is you need to find. Uh, just I'm just going to give you advice about editing if that's something you want to do. Is you need to find clients who either you believe in their work and you can get a profit share and you really think it's going to take off. That's a gamble. Or you need to you need to make sure that the authors that you solicit are people that can afford a, to pay you a decent rate because they're making a pretty good return on their books, and that's mm-hmm. not a lot. That's not that's a that's not everybody. That's that's hard. Yes. So many people, especially on Twitter, author Twitter, are not. They're not big. They're not selling authors because they they they're, they don't under they they haven't chosen a genre. They haven't been able to find traction in a genre. You know, they're still struggling to get noticed and seen, and so. You know, having to pay a thousand dollars for an eighty-five thousand, ninety thousand dollar, ninety thousand word, uh, that might be the most expensive part of their whole process. It's going to pay more for editing than for covers or for anything else. So, you definitely have to make sure that you're that you have that you have prospective clients that are making enough money that they can afford to pay you what you're worth and what you what you actually add to the product. You know, Mm -hmm. I would say, yeah. So yeah, there are, yeah, I mean, there are many authors who offer their services um, as editors right now, right? We see this on Twitter. Maybe and too many, because I got to tell you, not every author is a good editor. Yes, that's exactly what, what I was going to say. Like, in this subject of diversification, just, you know, everybody should try and see if this is the thing for them, mm. right? Because... Um, I think some some writers wouldn't wouldn't even like editing as a job. Like you enjoy it, but um, for many, yeah, I think when, also... you, when you take something and you 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 think you enjoy it, and then you try and monetize it and make a career out of it, you very quickly realize that it's not a career thing. <laughs> if it's not meant to be, it's uh, yeah yeah. Will it will it stand the course and of time and uh, the amount of hours that you're going to dedicate to it? That's that's the question you have to ask yourself, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And you won't always know when you're doing it part time. I was doing editing part time, and it was quite it was quite exhausting because with you know thirty six hour, twelve hour shifts, night shift, nursing on the floor, oh. it can be pretty exhausting. And so you know it would take me a little bit to get enough energy to go be able to edit. But now that I'm full time editing. It's pretty easy to get up to a couple hours of editing and then get to my own writing or do whatever I need to do, and it's not it's not quite the same drain. But mm-hmm. uh, but it really could be if I was on a tight deadline when mm-hmm. I was doing it when I was trying to work it around my my day job. I think one of the things about this diversifying is is seeking out these opportunities. I don't it's it's not necessarily throwing all your weight into something. You know that's the whole point of the diversification, isn't it? It's that you don't put all your eggs in one basket for, for yes for yes um but you know the, the one thing you were talking about editing copy editing i remember mm-hmm. that i was in a the first time i my brain even thought of the idea of copy editing i'd gone for lunch with my my family um in a was it a garden center i think garden center and they had these pamphlets on the tables Mm. Um, and oh. on them it was it wasn't the the garden center itself that had made these pamphlets they were made by a company um that was advertising their wares or or services and they'd obviously mm-hmm. got permission to put these pamphlets out on the tables in this cafe um and i was looking through it and the first 
couple of paragraphs I must have noticed two typos and you know the spelling was atrocious and the and the grammar was off and, and I thought I could do better than that and that's the mm-hmm. thing is when you get that little bing in your head and you go I could do better than that that's mm-hmm. I don't know about you but the way my brain works is as soon as I have that thought I'm like well why aren't I doing that <laughs> yes of course hmm. we all have that thought I think hmm. yes <laughs> and on that subject um Uh, I think there are many things people can do that you don't necessarily expect to be doing as a writer. Like, um, it became obvious to me quite early on that I can make websites. Like, I I worked as a web developer and sometimes writers need websites. And as a writer and a web developer, I could offer services um, because I understand writers, right? Like, I'm not going to be the random web developer who, who makes websites for whomever yeah and that's the other thing there are many talents that the community needs and you can use the writing experience to your benefit to target to target um, a special kind of client Mm -hmm. and the other thing I was thinking about was consulting right like many people need special consultants for their books. Like I wanted to write something about um, somebody trying to kill themselves and I will definitely need some kind of trauma surgeon or trauma nurse to consult me on that. And I was thinking if you have some kind of skill like that, you could offer your services as a, I don't know, um, it would be the equivalent of a, of a sensitivity reader, right? Like you, you should, you could yeah. check, you can consult, but you can also check if everything is right. Like I was thinking as a physicist, as a PhD physicist, I could do sci-fi editing and I wouldn't only be a copy editor. I wouldn't only correct your grammar or your, um, your dangling modifiers, <laughs> you know, which I always do, but I would check that your physics makes sense. Not only your real physics, but also your imaginary physics because... You know, it has to be plausible, right? It has to be something yeah. that... You're a useful person to know. <laughs> yes. You're a very useful person to know. Now, I've noticed... Well, I feel the I, same I way use... about doctors. Yeah. I notice I tend to use that not so much for income, like for, for part of my rate. Although I can... I, I will say that I can edit Lit RPG, which is where some of my clients are coming from now, a lot better than a lot of people could because I understand the genre better. But I'm not really doing dev editing. I'm doing line and style. But even then, I can give some limited stuff. But what I have noticed is that I have consulted for people about medical practice, about cardiac stuff especially. But I don't really charge for it. It's just that it's typically it's uh, uh, to develop relationships in the communities of of authors that I'm part of. For instance, I have an idea to write about a paranormal um, mystery uh, thriller series and... um, the character is a funeral director, and just so happens somebody in the lit RPG community is a funeral director. Yeah. So <laughs> you know, because I can offer some help with some things, he's completely uh, helpful, uh, and he's a busy guy too, to, to help me to help explain some things that might happen with this job that you need to make sure you get right because anybody who knows anything about it's going to be a little bit turned off by when it doesn't work. Because I know what mm. I write when I watch like. Um, medical procedural stuff and I just see that they've got the IV going in the wrong direction or they've got the mm. oxygen on incorrectly or they've got oh god yeah or you know my biggest thing <laughs> my biggest thing about the medical stuff is that for some reason whenever there's a big emergency the doctor's always in the room and I'm like the doctors are almost never in the room ever you, you ever, gotta believe ever. them <laughs> you've gotta you've gotta yeah you've gotta find them you've gotta like you know you gotta page them you gotta call a code yeah, or whatever and it's, it's, do you, I, I'm sure you're the same Chet do you shout at the screen being a cardiac nurse you don't shock that rhythm yes oh, oh my, my god. god oh my god, god. Yeah. shocking asystole yeah shocking you just killed asystole. your patient well oh done well <laughs> shocking asystole yeah exactly either you, yeah either you shock somebody who needs a pacer or like but that, I don't see that very often but like but but you do see shocking as I mean you think about the um, flatliners that's so funny because you don't oh, shock God. you can't shock asystole there's no point you'll not get any yeah don't make me rant about that but yeah yeah they, <laughs> they, and they that's remade what... that film they they made it twice yeah did and did they shock <laughs> asystole in the second one too oh probably I didn't see yeah. it <laughs> that's that's fun 
I'm yeah. enjoying this. Does it, it's well, that's, gonna... it's like um, the um, I, I always think of Andy Weir with The Martian because he, um, yeah, it's oh. huge, huge, successful book and uh-huh. film and all and, that, and also and, uh, very good, very w- well written and very yeah, yeah the yeah, science most... is very good. Yeah, uh, sort of. well, you say that, there you, that. Yeah, you say that, science. Nora, but something about the storm, exactly the dust. Yes, the storm. I mean, the premise of the book is wrong, but the rest of it. And it's like they they know that they'll you'll never live it down. You they will never let you forget it for as long as the book exists. Yes, I know. I mean, I know. I mean, look, I know. I mean, the pressure on the surface of Mars is uh, six hectopascal. It's a very low pressure. The storm is just a faint breeze. We know that. But apart (laughs) from the fact that that the premise of the book is you know is completely wrong, the the rest of the science, (laughs) like. (laughs) Like the rest of it is fine, you know. I, I mean, see, I don't even care about that. I'm quite happy to put that in a box. Let's yes, just put that over me there. Too. We'll, we'll no, because that. because you so have good. you have gems like like the core, where the whole physics is so ridiculously insane that physicists like me and my and my back then my 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 colleagues, we would go to the to the cinema and we would just you know laugh throughout the film and we would annoy people so yeah i mean at least the martian has i mean 98 percent of its physics is solid it's good it's but that yeah. whole the whole opening inciting yeah i mean just just you know forget about the opening <laughs> just, just assume that something else happened that was dramatic right like mm. i don't know i don't know what what it could be in the martian atmosphere but um, i didn't get all that so uh, deep it's, into atmospheric yeah. science yeah it's but yeah, uh, you, you were talking about uh, skills trading chat, right? This is mm-hmm. this was what we were talking about, and yeah, I do this too, and you can do this too as uh, writers and people who have expertise in other stuff. But you might be um, trading expertise for expertise, and not so much exactly. Expertise for money. But this is this is also money, right? In, because like I would have to pay for my covers. Oh, yeah. I I say this in every episode the <laughs> past couple of weeks, um, and I'm not paying for my covers because I'm I'm editing for my cover designer. Mm-hmm. So we trading skill, um, you know works for both of us and you know you get to have uh, a professional cover and he gets to have a professionally edited novel mm-hmm. and it's a win-win for us yeah so i've got that's... i've got i think I, I told you that i've got the most amazing painting on my wall mm-hmm. uh, a, a, a lady who did the the book cover design for for my book of short stories mm-hmm. oh that's she, so nice she, she put a call out saying um Oh, can anybody do a poem to go with this picture? And she'd done this. She'd done this beautiful painting of a mermaid. And she went, mm. I really want to have a poem by the side of this mermaid. And mm. I literally, I just looked at it. And within 10 minutes, I had this, you know, five, six line poem, whatever it was. Mm. And I, I just WhatsApped it to her or whatever. And she was like, that's it. That's it. And so now she's got the poem. And then yeah. I've, she sent me a print of the mermaid with my poem in this beautiful writing and I've got it framed wow. on my wall and it's it's a win-win yeah. because I, I couldn't wonderful. I couldn't illustrate <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and she couldn't she couldn't come up with the poem yeah mm-hmm. that's great that works yeah now we were talking about some little bit further up on the list here we were talking about um anthologies although I don't really yeah. know how well anthologies work for directly earning money uh, I know a lot of people do them in order to try to just get exposure um, yes, exactly. Get, yeah. That's the point, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. What, what's, mm-hmm. the, what's the thing? What's the sales of anthologies like? Do, do they tend to actually make money or does it tend to be the people who've contributed that I imagine in my head it's the people who've contributed or buy the books? <laughs> well, or the family ex- do or the like, thing yeah. Is, yeah. yeah. You yeah, extend yeah. this. I mean, there's with every book, there's this friends and family circle that buys. Like it's about 200 yeah. copies, right? This is why every book will sell a couple a couple of dozens to 200 copies but if you do an anthology you extend this circle to everybody's 200 yeah. friends and relatives so i guess yeah. it's it's a bit better but it doesn't mean that um but those people already know you I, the idea is to try to find people who might be interested in reading yeah. this kind of uh this yeah. kind of a fiction we've got some people that have looked at our anthology on twitter that probably wouldn't have just because we've interacted exactly, with them yeah. twitter's mm-hmm. it's twitter's really funny twitter's not very great for sales in no, any sort of Correct way, mm-hmm. but it is very great for forming relationships. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you might have a relationship with an author who they generally respect your tweets and stuff. I mean, this can backfire on you too because I've read some. I've read some books from people who I really like their tweets, and I'm like, I can't. I don't yep. really want to discuss their, their work happens. because I, I can't <laughs> say good stuff about it. But like, then there are yeah. some people where I'm like, oh my god, and usually you'll know because I kind of 
will tweet, oh my God, I'm reading this and I love it. Do you know what mm. I mean? In a way yep. that is is pretty obvious yeah. that I like the work. Yeah. I'm noticing that a lot of maybe it's just the people I'm I'm following. I don't know, but you know, if it, within the writing community on Twitter, it mm. seems pointless in terms of a business model. You know, in terms of sales, it, like you it say, does. having those conversations with the people that you're you're um, networking with because yes. they're trying to sell their stuff. You're trying to sell your stuff. It, pff, why don't we just swap? <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, there's no point yeah. in advertising your stuff because they, they, they're not interested really but like yeah. you say it's good for relationships yeah and sometimes they are like I got a few people that just picked it up picked up the anthology to read it just because they're like okay I've been talking to Chet for a while and he's an editor let's see what his mm-hmm. writing's like you know so but but you know the other thing too is really funny is like sometimes they'll say oh I want to read this and people say, I'll give you the book I'll give you the book I say let me pay for it because it's yeah, like, I well, agree. Go ahead and just let me pay for it. I'm I'm willing to pay the three dollars or whatever it is for an indie yeah. book. Yeah, I but do that it's, too. Yeah, but it's the only thing that people feel like they can really do. They're like, I want to get this book in front of people. I'm willing to give you a free copy. And there's mm. something that people do, and I don't know. I don't see it happening as much on Twitter with the newsletters and stuff like that. But you, know, you get a newsletter going, you get a freebie out there, so people can are interested and and will read it. Now that doesn't always work because sometimes you just end up with people who just want free books. Mm. My friend, um, I have a, I have a indie author friend who insists on only having the link to his newsletter in the mm-hmm. back of his in the back of his books mm-hmm. because that way you got to the back of the book you've already read him for real you're probably an actual fan if you get on there and so he's got a smaller list but it's a lot more active list it's a lot more mm-hmm. a lot more sales mm-hmm. come out of it and then there's you know um yep i'm part of a uh, so for my genres some of them i'm part of a very active um Facebook groups of fans that like these books. And so when mm. you release on there, a lot of them are, especially if you're in Kindle Unlimited, they're willing to just totally give you a, a, a chance just because they're willing to read anything that they can get their hands on, you know, um, to give you a, to buy a new author just in case it's something new or something really cool that they, that they wouldn't have otherwise found. But, uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't really know how well anthologies works. I just know that it's, it was a lot of fun to write short stories for them, so mm. it, I don't really mind it. But it's one, yeah. it's one more aspect, isn't it? It's just yeah. one more yeah. little string well, to the bow. Yep. Yeah. One more chance that somebody might mm-hmm. stumble on your work that ne- normally wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, it's very difficult to market as a person who doesn't um, have other connections. Like, I only know writers from Twitter. And actually, I wouldn't change it for anything. Like, I've met wonderful friends there, people who, without whom my life wouldn't be as good as it is chat <laughs> i'm talking about <laughs> thank you, you. Um, oh, okay, thank you but and other people do but yeah um yeah uh, i don't know how you do this but no i don't know but on the subject of of short stories people sometimes sell their short stories to magazines this is a thing to um think about you can't make a real income out of just this but again it's um one small thing that can get you um, visibility right and small amounts of money we were talking about anthologies um mm. so anthologies and gamelet actually do quite a bit um perfect example is uh there's a very one of the bigger authors decided to go ahead and run a uh open submissions for people who wanted to write short stories in his world mm-hmm Oh, that's interesting. It's called Engineering Ludus. Um, it's Blaze, Blaze Corbin. And um, uh, so a lot of people will read those just because, A, they want to read more content from that world because they really like it. But also you get to, you get to read more um, authors you might never have read. One of them that, that has um, uh, wrote one of the short stories, uh, Blaze went ahead and partnered with and is writing a much longer novel uh like a side novel that takes place in that world with totally different characters. Wow. Mm-hmm. So a little bit of a universe expansion, which can happen. So it, it does work. It's just, you know, um, how, how well it works for genre. I don't know how well it works for literary, just because literary yeah. is hard to hit with indie, uh, which we've already talked about a bajillion times. But, you know, romance might, you know, you put romance up and you put it... For, I'd say horror is a good candidate, or erotic also is a good candidate. Erotic, yeah, definitely. Which, yeah. which I'm trying to do right now. <laughs> yeah. My my um, very ambi- ambitious idea people, yeah. is to. 
Well, my ambitious idea is to start a series of um, anthologies for um, erotic anthologies with, you know, good ones, you know, for, for people with brains. Uh, I know how it sounds, but um, there's so much bad erotica out there on Amazon. So you would what? You would you would like curate these? You would be the the editor. I actually, I actually, uh-huh. yeah, I actually sent out a tweet at some point, and people were completely amazed by by it. They, they all they wanted to contrib- contribute, <laughs> and I sent out a call for submissions to sixty people. I don't know how many. And now, yeah, the first stories are coming, and um, I didn't think this through because. Um, my standards are probably outrageously high and I, I don't know how what I'm going to do. <laughs> but we'll see, we'll see. I'm, I, don't, I don't mean anything to those people who sent me already stuff. I haven't read anything yet, but I'm already, you know, thinking about it because... Did you, did um, you know I, the writing of the people that you sent the calls out to? You said you no, to it was like I was going for sta- statistics, right? Like ah, large okay. number statistics. So like you didn't, you didn't cherry pick the people who are your favorite writers for example i thought i would yeah maybe i will i will just um do another round because i don't know if you have like 60 60 people what are the chances that like 10 of them are going to be stellar writers i i don't know like statistically it's rather unlikely right Mm. and um yeah this is pure math maybe reality surprises me I think that when you approach people that you know are that you already know yes, their work, that's, that's you, you the have thing. a better chance. But then, are you going to be able to get them to write a good? Well, that's the thing. Story? Most of the people I admire as writers, they don't really write erotic content. Although some people will write it because I approach them, which is nice. Um, so I, I'm not sure how to go about that. That's that's. Um, that's something I will have to solve if I want to um, actually go through with this idea. Yeah. Ellie, you wouldn't uh, want to write something erotic, would you? Oh, Maybe. God, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I tried. I, 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 I tried. I tried that once. Um, oh. yeah. And my, my horror roots um, and my so, psychological thriller roots kind of just came to the to the fore in but the story but you could and do it, that you could do that because i said any genre as long as it has some erotic element so oh, there's somebody yeah. who's writing a sci-fi yeah erotic story and i'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure there's going to be lots of sci-fi or fantasy in there um i'll, I'll give yeah, some thought nor <laughs> the idea is to have intelligent erotica, right? Not not five minutes um, yeah. jerk off. I mean, it goes into feelings and interiority. That's the idea. Sure. And I'm not sure if people are understanding what I'm meaning because um, somebody asked me, like I said, please, you know, keep the euphemisms at a minimum. You know, <laughs> no no bacon sandwiches and no. Um, well, I just I think I don't I, know flesh sticks and stuff like that. I think I have <laughs> a huge amount of respect for um, erotic writers because I think it is just such a skilled area. I really do because it's uh-huh. I was awful at it, really, <laughs> really. But you know, my approach is like use the words. And then somebody asked me, "What do you mean no euphemisms? I can't, I can't write like cock or th- I was like, of course you can write cock. Cock is not. Is it really a euphemism? That's, that's a like, euphemism. Yeah, yeah. Is it? Is it really like? No, it isn't. Know. No, no. Like calling I it mean, a, calling it his manhood. That's a euphemism. That, like, exactly. That's what. Are, I'm, or, yeah. or or again, the the bacon sandwich I was referring to. Uh, like, does anybody like, ever use bacon sandwich? Yes, I, mean, I think they it? do. What were they calling a bacon sandwich? Oh God, no. <laughs> <laughs> There was this list uh, <laughs> circulating on Twitter um, wow. of erotic euphemisms, and I think that this stuck with me. Right, that the, the, the bacon sandwich is one I can't forget. Uh, anyway, That's, yeah, and that, so, so I thought you so were I, kidding. I totally thought you were just no. That this exists. <laughs> That's funny. Oh my god. Yeah. That's, anyway, but what choice. I was trying to say is, I'm not sure if people understood what I, what I was trying, <laughs> what I was going for. Because now, now I'm expecting to to see stories. Also, I think I saw one of those without much erotic content. Because I said interiority, like I said, focus on feelings and on sensations. And I would welcome stories that don't really have 
you know, erotic actions in them as long as the arousal is there. Mm. Um, but there was like, a, yeah, I think yeah. I saw a story or two that was like narration of things happening and not yeah. what I asked for. Like, I, w- I, I would imagine, like, I think I could write a five um, thousand word story that narrates, you know, the desire that's in a person's head without anything ever happening. It's difficult because I'm. I know what I mean when I write the description, and I don't know if if everybody's Anybody getting what I mean because I I write with lots of interiority, and that's not very common, I think. Erotica, for sure. Yeah, but why not? Like erotica is purely for the sensations, right? I don't know. Yeah. Well, isn't that? I mean, who who reads erotica? <clears throat> is it is it that's mostly a very mostly good women? Because I think when women no, read, they I think don't know. It is much more about the internal yes. emotional stuff, isn't it? So, so there are different types. No, I don't so, think it is, actually. <laughs> what the erotica wrong? I've read has not been, yeah. It's not all like bad male sex writing, but it's sometimes it's bad. Yeah. There's, I've, said, I've read a lot of bad uh, women writing sex, too. No, but I mean the readers, from a reader's point of view. Yes. I think so when, I can a, tell when a woman who... reads a, a, something erotic, they want to read about the feelings and the, the emotions. I think so. So the Fifty Shades of Grey was read mostly by women, right? So when I gave my my first novel to somebody to proofread it, this they said, "Oh, this is like for bored housewives because this was the idea." I mean, there was this idea that bored housewives read Fifty Shades of Grey. Turns out, at least half my readers are older, highly educated gentlemen. That's definitely not the normal audience. but, but I don't know, is... though. You know, you think about it. Think about um, uh, like stuff like Lolita, the, the author of that book. Um, he, there was a, there was an entire. Um, it was shady as hell, but it, there was this yeah. in, this entire subversive uh, sex writing type thing. And then you think about it, and it's some of the best literature you ever read. Or, you know, um, is it a uh, Miss Chatterley's Lover, you know, Mrs. Mm. Chatterley, you, you know, I mean, that was, Lady that Chatterley's also is mm. not, it was considered very titillating at the time, but it also has, it's not just one porn scene after another. It's porn, not like, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And um, lots of erotica doesn't really have a, a story, right? Or a it's purpose. all. It's, I've, I've read some, I swear to God, I had somebody who I was dating at the time show me one and I went, this is... I can't read this. This is just like it's a lot of well, and so we suppose this and blah blah. And it's just like these these situations are not very. Uh, they just beg yeah. belief. They just beg belief so badly that you're like, mm, mm. yeah. Well, I used to read when I was um, younger. Not so much now, but uh, do you, do you guys have Mills and Boone? Have you heard of Mills and Boone? I have not. No. You, oh my goodness! Have you not heard? <laughs> wow. Um, it's quite well known in the UK, Mills and Boone. It's um, they've been going for years and years and years, and they're they're uh, romance short romance novels. Um, oh, is it like the Harlequin ones in in the US? I, I don't know what that is. Okay, possibly, no. but oh, basically okay. they're very they're very formulaic, and there's always some you know a bodice ripper. They're very bodice ripper. Yeah, yeah, but they're they're sort of set in different time zones or most this looks exactly day, like the harlequin novels in in the u.s yep. yeah, yeah. This, yeah. This, this is the same thing yeah but that you know they follow very very um tried and true formulas yep. for the storyline the plot and all, all these things um and i used to read those things and i didn't mind because you know what you're getting yeah yeah you know, you oh, know what true, you're yeah. going to get in. It's got do 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 do. They These row, are, wow. then they These fall for each other, and then they get married. Or you know, and that's fine yes. because that's that's what you want when that's you read. That's what you pay quick, for. Quick yeah. This books. really yeah. reminds me of the paintings cover uh, in a big way. There's a '90s Austin band from te- Austin, Texas called uh, the Pain Teens, and they had one that was it's, the the album was called "Destroy Me Lover," but it looked like one of these sort of. Uh, uh, illustrations that are that are on these books it's kind of interesting yeah wow we we, maybe we should retitle this episode talking about erotica yeah right right. Uh, (laughs) i derailed the conversation 
We, we move on a little bit to see what we're talking about. We do, we do rumble. Um, Ellie knows this because she's uh, listened to our first couple of podcasts. Yeah, you did, yeah. Hey, true. I've listened to I've listened to half a dozen at least. At least. Mm-hmm. That's so, awesome. Uh, so you, you, you to all the lit RPG bingo by chat, right? Oh, I don't know. We, we did, we I did have some... I to that one. I mean, we did have some bingo moments because... What what ah yes we had the prologue Prologues. rounds yeah. that we yeah. had that we had prologue bingo I think didn't we I think we what did. she's talking about is that for the first couple episodes uh, I ranted against prologues in a very similar way and for some of the early episodes I would talk about the RPG and go into any kind of a description of what it was yeah in in a very similar way and so she would say stop me say but the prologue is is but we had bingo I think the prologue rant. It happened yeah. five times, so I think we had the, the, the full bingo. And I'm I'm so I've I've listened to this so many times now because I also edit the episode, so I listen to it at least twice. That's true. So I could I think I could plausibly reproduce uh, the prologue <laughs> rant. I could tell you exactly what he says. <laughs> I think I'm not going to demonstrate now because we have lots of uh, bullet points still, <laughs> but maybe I will try at some point. This would be fun. <laughs> Maybe I have to try without doing homework, right? Like without listening to it right. again and see if right, I can right. still do it. I'm not yes. sure though. I mean, every time I see on t- somebody on Twitter talk, asking about prologues or saying something about prologues, I have to, you know, restrain myself and not send it to Chad because <laughs> I don't know what's I don't know what's gonna happen if I send it to him. Like if he's gonna start <laughs> ranting again. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> don't set chat off uh, <laughs> he, he, yes and then of course there's and you know and the the last i think two times we talked about prologues i had to mention that chat actually wrote a prologue which I is did. again is a, yeah. is a, yeah. Yeah. Is a yeah. plot it's a plot twist right like he, he runs and runs and runs and then he's oh by, by the way i wrote one and it's like ah! <laughs> <laughs> it's a plot twist it's it's very interesting it's it's the way to do it right i mean <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, let me get back to the bullet points we wrote down. One thing that Ellie told me back in November was the best thing you can do is write, 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 write a lot, and of course publish it. And um, this is one of the best things you can do to um, if you want to at some point generate income. Mm. Um, so um, this goes for obviously for novels right and we have also talked um, with um ac, AC yeah. Miller, who yeah. wrote no- novellas fast so um you know by releasing many books yep. quickly you have a very a higher chance of uh, actually selling which is yeah. um, what we want, yeah, right? It's, it's that thing that, you know, the, the best marketing you can do is write the next book. Right, exactly. Mm. Isn't it? Yeah. 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 I've written the next book and I haven't published it yet. Why do my books just sit there when I write them? Hey, I finished, I finished Venture Rugen, the first draft, in 2017. Three so. years ago, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. I see your point, yeah. yes. It's still yes. being edited and I'm still yeah. oftentimes trying to think about fixing it. Yeah. So we were talking about... Um, some of the reasons that we want to diversify, say, is kind of personal, professional. I don't, you know, my story, I, we, t- we told this story a few times, we had AC tell it, but I... I, I mean, for I, you, I, it I happened, kinda, right? Mm-hmm. You were an accidental novelist, and I was like an accidental editor. I am also an accidental editor, because you yeah. told me, Yana, you have to be an editor. That's true. That's it was true. you, your fault again. Yeah, well... And I'm also an accidental content writer because, well, not that accident, because I applied there. So it wasn't as accidental, yeah. but, you know, it was like one of my friends contacted me and said, oh, look at this website. I mean, it just, if you have your eyes open, you know, and if you have your antenna um, ready to receive. Wait, do you have antennas? Yeah. I didn't get one. I haven't gotten one of those. I need yeah, it. I have. I mean, you know, PhD in, PhDs in physics, we just get antenna when, with our um, title, you know. Zip up. Yeah, <laughs> I feel left out. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I think you have to be open to it, right? Mm-hmm. You have to just network and listen to people and talk to people about what you're doing. And if you're open to it, um, I think you get more opportunities. That was the feeling I got. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think um, from a from a personal standpoint, I mean, there's there's lots you can think of lots of reasons why you might want to diversify um, 
your writing career from a professional standpoint obviously because it makes sense in terms mm. of not not just having one channel that could disappear overnight like you hear people in you know who who publish on amazon or something on kdp and suddenly they change the algorithm for this or yeah change the rules for that and then their entire income just disappears overnight but from a from a personal perspective it keeps things interesting i think if you um i i'm i get quite bored very easily um and i i, I quite like having the option i mean I, i'm quite lucky because i don't rely on my writing income you know to it's still a hobby essentially for me so i can i can just tinker around the edges as far as i'm concerned it doesn't I'm not relying on the money from it but I quite like that I can write a short story here I quite like that I can have a little folder on my laptop with my novel that I've been working on for five years um I like that I can do a non-fiction piece for a website there and I can you know write a, a journal about my IVF journey you know, no, nobody's ever going to see it but it's writing and it's part of me and it's who I am and it's what I do and uh that that I think goes a long way to keeping things fresh, and that you know I don't I don't want to ever to feel stale because I love writing. Yeah, that's true. I enjoy that too because you know I always have to um, alternate be between writing um, writing an erotic bit and then proofreading somebody's novel. Mm. So it's nice to not be doing only one of those things because. Uh, yeah with content writing it's like you're a little bit more restricted mm. but still you have to be creative which is different from you know writing what you want to write about but that, I think I think in general if you want to be successful right you really have mm. to we talked about that with AC too we have to um, you have to balance what you want to write about with what will sell but something else that we were talking about um, keeping an open mind to the diversification just kind of means like you were saying where I never would have thought to be an editor until somebody told me, hey, Chet, yeah. I want you to be my editor. And I'm like, yes. I probably could have been doing this a while longer than I was just because it took somebody else having to suggest it to me. You know? mm. Whereas oh, if you... Do you know, do you know what, yeah. what's good is when somebody says to you about something and they say, hey, you know what, Chet, or you know what, yeah. Ellie, I think you'd be really good at doing that. Mm. Yeah. It, when somebody yeah. says that to you, it may be something that's never occurred to you. But when somebody else says, "Hey, yeah. you'd be really good at doing that," all of a sudden yeah. you sort of go, "Oh, I have permission." I to think do this I now. might be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I might actually. Yeah. yeah, you might be right. They can see something in you that you might not be able to see in yourself. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And I wasn't like, if you told me two years ago that I would be writing erotic shorts, I, you know, f for money, you know, for for a company, I would be like, nah, that's like mm. that's not gonna happen. I can't write about something that's not my fantasy. Turns out I can. Uh, so I write people buy it. So it's not like I wrote this thing that is completely outside for, for, of my tastes. They asked me to write something about a doctor because apparently many women or many people fantasize about doctors, which I had no idea existed. And I wrote a bit about a naughty scene at a doctor's office. And I was like, okay, can I really do that? Like I've but but I did it and they bought it and it was fine. Like, well, yeah, you surprise yourself a little bit there. Something else too about it that's interesting is that I noticed when I was a nurse, writing and editing took up so much of the same. They were so similar to me as compared mm -hmm. to nursing. Yeah. That they really burned up a lot of the same um, mm. fuel. Mm. Mm. And, and now that I'm just writing and just editing, um, they're different enough like now that like those are the two main things that I do and I don't have something else that's so wildly different they they don't seem as similar and so it's a lot easier for me to do editing for a while mm. and then write for a while yeah. and then edit for a while does it feel uh, like you're shifting gear when you go from one to the other now right which I didn't which it didn't I mean before. I, I knew I was shifting yeah. gears but what I just meant was it took all yeah. of my brain power just to get my editing done to keep up with my clients that mm. like where was I going to get anything for you know it's so funny too because I think I'm different than a lot of editors where like my clothes is my, my prose has gotten a lot cleaner since I've been an editor, um, but um, it doesn't. Now that I'm outlining too, it doesn't prevent me from writing like in a way that some people, if they have to turn on their editor to be an editor for somebody else, they have a hard time shutting it off for their first draft of whatever else they're they're writing. 
And I seem to have less of a problem with that than a lot of people I talk to do. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of mm-hmm. lucky there. That's good. You're lucky. <laughs> Who wrote the bullet point about the writer's mindset? Oh, that was, was me, you, I Ellie? think. So what did you mean by that? Yeah, so I was thinking that it's about not being so one-track minded and it's, you know, it ties in with what I was thinking well, when we were talking about the, you know, being open to things, I think. And it was, mm. you know, if you if you think of yourself as a fiction writer mm. and you think of yourself as a novelist, for example. Yes. And you think that's what I do. That's who I am. And uh, I think it's about just convincing your brain that you can do other things. Um, OK. Because people do people do tend to identify themselves as a thing don't they yeah. um i don't know because i i'd never oh i it's i never realized that because i have started a number of blogs in my life and one of my like one of my successful blogs is a cooking blog so i mm. wrote recipes so um and another one talked about you know marriage and things like that and my latest blog talks about my mental health journey so i and then I've written the novel and then there are the source stories and the memoirs. Yeah. So I never really like I, I bunched these things under the writing tag. Sure. To be honest. Sure. But I then never you, you also the other things that you were saying before as well, like, you know, the um, cover design mm. or. Yeah. Um, OK. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it all falls under the same heading as what we were talking before. Yeah. Yeah, we were talking about something on here, too, that we've got is the positive and negatives um, Mm. of this. I I would probably be a faster writer if I wasn't also editing, but... Oh, my God. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Of course. But it's not slowing me down so badly that I can't start getting things done. But, um, yeah, juggling a lot of stuff that can make it hard to... Mm. hard to get to the point where you have to, you know... It does, it does. And you have to be very careful how you allocate your time and your mental resources because I see this too I've had this novel basically ready for ready to go for a couple of months and I still have to have to find time to do some last changes and have it proofread and everything and you just never get to it but you know about this chat do we have any good examples of authors who have successfully diversified because I Um, not a whole lot you know I talked to uh, AC used to be an editor and he said he can't do it anymore okay. because it just it messes with his brain too much to try yeah. to, to be a writer at the same time hmm. but he's trying to put out like 4,000 words a day you know oh, okay very, that's a lot yeah, yeah. well some people I know some people are writing you know sprints well. and stuff they're writing like 10,000 a day uh, well. but the amount of editing that is required well to, yes yeah wrangle that is quite hmm. extensive well, the, I mean, the, the person I always think of, and I've probably mentioned her before when I on my blog, I think I've mentioned her, um, Joanna Penn. Have you heard of yes. Joanna Penn from mm-hmm. Creative yeah. Penn? Yeah. She, she is just the, mm. the absolute goddess of, in my mind, of diversification because, you know, she's, yeah. she writes novels, and but she also does a, a lot of the stuff supporting the indie writing community, doesn't she? And she's, uh, you know, she does the how-to books, all the how-to books. For, mm. for the indie scene and uh and she's got her podcast and yeah she's a really good example a really mm-hmm. good example of how to to spread yourself far and wide and you know get a number of different income streams yeah she writes under two different um like two different pen names depending the, yeah, on what yeah. Her, uh, fiction or, yeah yeah she's got yeah she writes in different fiction genres under different names yeah Mark Dawson's another one. But these are some of the superstars. I mean, these are like, you know, like I said, Dawson does that too. He's got the um, courses and stuff that you can take to learn how to mm. get started and get going on indie. Yeah. There's a lot of people trying to do that. Um, courses are the big one. I, people, What they're trying to do is that, you know, with editing, so I get paid per word, right? So there's a cap at how fast and how, how much I can do. Um. So a lot of these people that are doing this, they're putting out other products. So you put out a book, it's a product. You know, it could sell five copies, it could sell 500,000 copies, and obviously that affects your income, but you don't have to rewrite the book over and over again to make to get the income from 500,000 copies. And so a lot of them are trying to write courses. 
Something I've noticed about this though is that it's pretty shady. A lot of it is stuff that it's not really all that helpful that you can't that you haven't already learned or that you probably don't already know, um, or would be able to find out pretty easily. The other thing is too is that like I always know this is my rule. If it's if it starts with a, if the you know how for a long time it was four ninety nine you know instead of five right. Mm. Um, it's it's seventy seven or ninety seven. Anything that ends with a seven. Like, I just automatically know that they all, I don't know if they all went to the same marketing course or whatever it is, but it's all going to be this stuff where it's, um, they're just collecting a bunch of information that everybody's, that just kind of kicks around about how to get going. And it's not, it's not necessarily, the other thing is that's a telltale sign of what I like to think is kind of predatory um, products aimed at authors mm-hmm. is the, um, is you go to the webpage and it's a hundred thousand mile long scroll. It's just this scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll before you get to the price. And it's just like, you know, testimonials and here's the blah, 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 and here's this other thing and blah, 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 blah. And you really are scrolling for 20,000 miles before you get to the bottom and find out what the price is. Mm. Um, and then you see the ones that are like, you've only got, you know, 34 hours to take advantage of this. See, I'm um, straight away, I'm turned off by that. Right, me yeah, too. Me they've too. lost yeah, me. I, they've lost uh-huh. me way, yeah. way, way ago. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I wouldn't mean, have got I, that far. I was a little bit more open to it very early in my career, but now I'm like, come on, man. This, I've seen this before. Wow. It's never yeah. been that useful. But she, the reason they do it is because they can sell this product over and over and over again. You know, so usually it's a video courses. They can sell it over and over and over again, and they make money every time somebody buys it instead of having them having to keep creating, you know. I think I, I, um, I suffer from a, a very finely tuned bullshit armature i think i yeah i, I yeah, just yeah. Come, i haven't got the stomach yeah. for it right, at all. right right so you know i would typically tend to try to want to avoid that just because mm. i mean man maybe it'll work for you for for money but i don't know how much value it adds um you know oh i was gonna say did we have you talked about the um positives what and the, negatives oh that was it i was gonna say about um when it comes to negatives it's about recognizing the difference between um, diversification and just procrastination. Uh, oh, right. Uh-huh. I think <laughs> this, this is one thing that really came to my head is that sometimes uh-huh. you can spread yourself so thin yeah. that and I, I'm terrible for this because I've got so many hobbies. I've got hobbies coming out of my ears and my husband yeah. goes absolutely berserk. He's like, please don't learn a new thing. Please don't, <laughs> do, don't do anything else. Because I'll, you know, I'll, I'll just... I'll get the hang of one thing and then I'll go, oh, I want to do this. Oh, I want to do that. Oh, I want to make Oh, yeah, I do that too. Oh, I want to, you know. Even before I get the hang of one thing, I just go on to the next. But it's, you know, when it comes to writing, um, you know, it's like that whole shiny new thing syndrome Mm. that we get. You know, it's like you've barely finished, well, you haven't finished one short story and you get another genius idea. So you go on to something So this is something we were talking about with AC and AC said that the thing he sees with successful indie writers, every single one, he says it's that you get, you've, Find your idea, you fasten on it, and you finish it. Finish the yeah, yeah, fucker, yeah. and then finish the thing. <laughs> finish the finish thing. Yeah, oh, I like finish. Finish, finish the fucker. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Yeah. <laughs> that's the one I'm gonna. Maybe take. we should name our, our. We should title our episode "Finish the Fucker." Yeah. Yeah. Well, that might be harder to get. I don't know. Yeah, if maybe get censored or not. But yeah. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, finish the fucker. That might be a good one, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah although we don't really. So I was gonna say really it's just about, about you know you have there has to come a point where. You know, you, do you're doing the blog, you're doing the podcast, you're doing the short stories, you're doing the, uh, you know, the anthologies, you're doing the, the, the editing. Who are you to referring to? Uh, <laughs> because I, I feel, I feel personally I'm attacked I'm not pointing here. any fingers. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, Ellie, I will publish. I will publish it. Thank Okay, <laughs> I got your point. <laughs> but, you know, you we have to recognize. But you do things. You, you finish the things that you do, Nora. So yes, but okay, I haven't published but it. But I mean, I have, oh. I've had Swish finished since But February, it's done. So. It's written. It it's is, written it or in a way it doesn't even matter if you publish it because you've written it you've achieved it you've done it tick but I well have done planned like, I have planned like seven novels in that series so I have to write the, the rest and yeah, I have like to two, get a move on two Come unfinished on, you're, anyway you're three slacking, unfinished slacking uh, um, sorry yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's you know it's, it's having that insight into yourself to recognize yeah. when you're not sort of going off on a manic episode and, and you know you need to rein yourself in and go actually no I just need to finish the fucker as you but say I'm, I'm manic when i write novels right mm. that, that's my manic state that that's exactly what happens to me wow 
I think we should do. I think we should do an entire episode called "Finish the Fucker" that talks about this yeah. specifically. Because I think we could do like an hour of this about oh, the yeah. ways that you can get distracted and not and not finish things. I honestly think we could. Yeah. We um, could. So that might be a good idea at some point in the future to do. Okay, um, let's go to our last bullet points because it's already yeah. very long. Um, yeah. way to, ways to approach this. Um, if you're I was going to say the, the indiscriminately, like don't accept gigs indiscriminately because as an editor, okay, let's do that. Yeah. Looking for work. Yeah. That was something where like, you know, you can quote a price, but then you find out you're doing three times as much work for yes. one author than you are. Yes, for look at what you're doing and yeah. only accept gigs that you yeah. kind of believe in, you know? Yeah. Quality, not Just quantity. Quality. And the thing is, if you do that, like you you invest more of your you know energy in it and it's it's better in the long term if you believe in it it's rougher just quote a higher quote say this is going to cost more because it's going to take more work yeah and mm-hmm. just be willing to say like because this can take so much more work i need to give you like i need to quote you higher yeah um right yeah i've got one friend um you know i was his editor for a while now he's editing and he said you know i'll quote kind of like a much higher price just because I really don't want to do it. I'd rather to be doing my own writing, but yeah. at that price, uh, it agree. makes a lot more sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. That, but at that price, he's like, that I, that I can make that sacrifice and it, it doesn't feel much of a sacrifice. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. So do you think we should end with that? Uh, did we talk about the um, definition of diversification in terms we of We did not get, yeah, course? we haven't gotten all the bullet points. It's up to you if you want to. But I don't know what to say about the last two bullet points. So Yeah, um, me neither. Like yeah. ways to approach this if you're shifting from a single stream income, I have no idea. Like I've, I'm all over the place. I always, I'm always all over the place. I was just going to say though, Nora, in terms of um, ways to approach it, the thing that what I was thinking of was it, you need to come at it being quite organized um, and, and try to have some level of discipline. Because if you've got a number of different income yes. streams, you've got a number of different avenues, you've got, you're spinning these plates um yep. you have to know what each plate is doing yes um and you know it, it, in, in nursing I, the thing that came into my head and i did this myself a while ago is i i wrote down have you heard of smart goals no. as a way of oh, okay it's I, no. chet i thought you may have may have done well, this but i learned about smart goals when i was doing um a, a nurse management course that i was on a okay. leadership course and it was all about identifying smart goals it's, it's, it's quite a well-known thing uh, in a number of different industries and it's like you you identify what it is you you want to do you identify how you're going to measure it you would di- identify if, it, if you can achieve it um yeah. it, the time frame that you're going to do it the, all these sort of things that yeah like, um, that's been so disastrous to yeah, nursing yeah that's, that has been a horrible yeah. dis- that's been a horrible thing for nursing but this would be an awesome approach for writing though right like I'm I just, don't know because no, well, perfect example because of this. I have all those things and I'm not organized and I was I'm thinking about what Ellie says and I was like uh-huh. yeah like if I was a little bit more organized and I sure, had these things to finish it, sure. like I find that but a lot of a lot of stress when I have stress in my head and I can feel uh-huh. myself you know getting getting yeah. more and more yeah. wound up it's usually because I feel things are getting out of control. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I like to. It's it's a bit of mindfulness. I yeah. like to just stop. As long as you don't, yeah. I think in nursing it's worse than what you're talking about because as long as you don't spend so much time organizing that you don't actually do need a thing. So like, no, perfect example. No, this of course is people not. Who, but I think it's about programming yeah. your brain to not yeah. not to sit down and write an A4 piece of paper about every task that you want to take on because right, that's right. not that's not realistic. You're not going to do that. Yeah. Um, but it's about having your brain go right. Uh, what, uh-huh. what what have I got to do? Even with small jobs, and just go. Uh-huh. How am I going to measure if yes. I've done that? When yes. am I going to? When am I yes. going to? When's that going to be done by? Uh-huh. And you get your brain into yes. the habit of that rhythm, so that you don't just drift. You don't just drift through your life doing things ad hoc here and there, things yeah. drifting in and out, and you know maybe I'll finish it, maybe I won't, and you know that's a good way to make sure that you finish things is to have that structure, if not on uh-huh. paper. Or on your laptop, then just in your brain, okay. really. I, I will try that, Ellie. That's good. Things, yeah. If you get enough things, I think you do have to have some paper. I just have also seen that there's a tendency for people who are afraid of the blank page to pretty much do everything that except write and call it yeah. writing. So they're doing all of the mm. plotting or all of the brainstorming or all of the yeah. whatever, but they're not actually doing the writing because they're a little yeah. bit afraid of it. They like yeah. talking so about writing, but not actually writing. 
right or thinking that plotting is the same as writing and stuff you know i was really tempted mm-hmm. to plot out all nine of those novels in detail before i even started writing and i thought oh my god it's going to be like six months well i still have the passion for the story in six months even the first book you know if i don't write start writing at least a little bit mm. The, th- the thing is, Chet, because I do many things, like I do the podcast, I, I have the short stories, I have yeah, yeah. The, the proofreads, I have beta reads, I, and at yeah. some point I should be getting back to my own writing. It helps me if I have lists and if yeah, I yeah, yeah. say... Oh, yeah, lists are fine, sure. And if I say I can do this, I should be able to do this by that day next week, which, of course, okay, my situation is a bit special because I'm still very tired and I'm still trying to figure out how to live without anxiety. Um, but yeah, I don't think I could make it otherwise because there are just so many different tasks, small tasks as well. Um, but I, I think I need this kind of approach that mm-hmm. Ellie's talking about. It won't work for everybody. Mm. You know, it's I not, like it's, stuff like people have different like brains, like, don't they? Well, I like stuff like getting things done I, because of the way my brain works and the kind of anxiety I have. It is very helpful for me if I can have enough mm. time to do that. Something that doesn't overwhelm. Yeah. Uh, so like for me it's not so much get it done by but it's if I can get it done in less than a minute just do it mm. Yeah. if I can't write a list of how many steps there are and then just break it down in easy steps that I can do so that I can see that I'm making progress that yeah. helps me okay let's wrap it up because I will fall asleep <laughs> okay it was very nice having you with us Ellie oh, let's no. do this again it's been lovely <laughs> thank you so I don't know um, what we're going to talk about next time in our next episode. It's probably about the romance tropes. Can it be? Yes, probably. Yes. Yeah. My God, yeah. I'm really looking forward to that. Good. Then we'll say goodbye here and join us next time on the Borderline Genius Podcast. Thank you very much. See you guys.